You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 13, episode 21. Uh, my name is John, and I am joined by John, who returns after a wee spell out. How are you doing? Hey John, I'm glad to be back. I'm recharging my batteries and looking forward to a party this week at Hamden. Yes, we've picked a good time to come back on anyway with a Scotland chat. No club football, which is good. Um, so, not just us that's on tonight, we have a couple of special guests. I think this is the second time we've had a set of brothers on, if my memory serves me right. Because we had the boys from Arcade State on, here and in Jordan. Um, so tonight we have DJ Keith Easton and we have his brother Graham Easton, the stadium announcer at Hamden. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting us on. Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Nice, nice to nice to be asked on a historic week. Again, Graham, this is also your second appearance on SFF podcast. Um, you remember the last time it was with um, Charles Patterson and Neil Doherty? Yeah, we were were we uh, previewing uh, the Euros, was it, as mm. was, uh, and tried to predict how Scotland would do and who we thought might win. I think I said, from memory, I thought England might do quite well. So I, was, I wasn't too far wrong. I'm glad, we're glad you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to begin with, we want to ask, how did you both get the gig at Hamden? We were trying to mark our brains as well, who, who had the job before you both. But how did you both get into it? Well, Graham, you started before me, um, so you you have to tell the story. Uh, yes, at my first game, now Keith can keep me right, because Keith got me a wee picture to, to commemorate this. It was um, the 1st of April, or was it 2008, Keith, or have I got that wrong? 2006? Oh, I can't remember. 2009? Iceland? Two- yes. See, good job you're here, John B. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, 1st of April 2009 against uh, Iceland, so Keith uh, managed to get a, a picture that sh- uh, a photographer took back in the day of Ross McCormack uh, scoring, and there's a picture of Kenny Miller looking quite surprised, so, I think it was a shot from about 20-25 yards, and it kind of sailed, we'll say, it, we'll say it sailed in the top corner for the sake of a good story, so that was my first Scotland goal uh, as, as the Hamden Stadium announcer, um, but before that I'd done, a, a, my first game was actually a, a League Cup semi-final or a League Cup final, I can't remember who it was between, um, and the previous guy who was a DJ and worked part-time as well decided to, to give up for whatever reason, and uh, I can't actually remember how I got invited, but I did, I generally can't remember, so when once I'd done the League Cup game, uh, they asked me if I wanted to do the Scotland game, and I was doing the DJing and the, the announcing at the same time, it was in the, the DJ booth, which is, if you look at this, sort of, as I say, the classic TV picture the DJ booth and Mission Control, where Keith sits now, is kind of just above the kind of corner flag. If you're looking at the from the main uh, south stand, so yeah, that was my my debut back then, and I've I've had the the gig, which is a very honourable gig to have, and great pleasure doing it. A uh, great responsibility and thoroughly enjoyable. So yeah, it was back in uh, 2009 for me, and then Keith was a a few years later when we uh, went a wee bit more adventurous, or we're, they were kind of evolving how to use the big screens. I don't know if Keith, you can. Specifically, remember your first game because I can't. My my first game at Hamden was a Scottish Cup final, um, which was Rangers Queen of the South, and Rangers were two 0 up at half time, and you kind of thought, ah, you know, 
and Queen of the South brought it back to two each. I remember that distinctly. Um, so I just I was more on Graham just because Graham and I were kind of used to working at events as a partnership anyway. We're kind of we evolved from doing basketball and other sports where Graham basically was the talker and I was the the button pusher. So I think it was just kind of that opportunity where you said Graham said to me, oh, "Can do you want to come at the Scottish Cup final?" I went, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and obviously, it was, obviously, it's always quite an interesting game. You know, we've got a, a top tier club against the, the perceived underdogs, as it was. And yeah, just after that, I just kind of I hung about like a, a bad smell or a good smell. Or let others decide. And that was it. But I think it's the, the point that we've kinda, we'd worked together on so many events previously for different sports and different organisations. Just a kind of natural thing for that we've evolved into where Graham was the voice and I'm the. I'm the, the button pusher behind the scenes, or as I say, he's the piano player and I'm the piano pusher, so, or whatever. So, yeah, that's the story. But, yeah, I mean, I can't remember what year that cup final was, but it was obviously maybe you guys probably know, uh, 2010, maybe 2011. It was 2008 because, unfortunately, I remember who Kunis had put out on route well, to the final. See, I, see, I, I knew that as well, but I didn't want to say that because I've, I've, I've been brought up well and you should always be polite to your hosts. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. In terms of like, planning and preparation, it obviously must be very different having to cover a club game when you've got the kind of two clubs involved and then trying to keep both sets of fans happy with the songs that are played. Tricky one? Or... Well, you, you can make it tricky or, or, or you don't. I mean, obviously, there's so many songs that are, you know, attached to clubs and then other clubs adopt them or their supporters adopt them so I mean I remember early days like back, back when we talked back to sort of 2008-2009 Dungeon United were doing pretty well and uh, you know they got a Scottish Cup final they always had quite an interesting songbook I felt you know put your hands up for John Daly and there was Love is in the Air and Beautiful Sunday and you know th those songs have been commandeered by some other clubs I noted um, so yeah you just kind of be you've, you've You've got a responsibility where obviously you want, you're creating an atmosphere, but you've also got a responsibility not to create any trouble or ill feeling, yeah. you know. So you're always really, really careful, careful that way. And ultimately, you know, a trip out to Hamden for clubs to a cup semi final and their supporters, it's great, you know. Hamden, obviously, it, I mean, not, not saying anything that's an exclusive here, but obviously, there's people that don't like Hamden, but there's people that do enjoy the experience of going to Hamden because it's a the club's got to a cup semi-final, they've got to a final, and it's an occasion that should be enjoyed. So, yeah, you're, you're there to, um, you know, be part of that experience. And, you know, we'll, we'll always make sure for club games that, you know, the, the clubs are asked what song they want for their goals. They're asked what songs they want played when they win. And so you're, you're, you've got that attention to detail um, and obviously making it as memorable as possible as you can, obviously, aside from obviously the result on the pitch. Interesting that because I was looking at the playlist for I was at the Aberdeen Hibs semi final window and we're not talking really about that, but um, the playlist in terms of the songs like straight away after it, and it's like Aberdeen songs that are on, like getting played as you can act out the stadium. So it's good to see where you got Skylights as well, um, who are kind of got links with Aberdeen, yeah, absolutely. And I, I just I just think it's good. It's it's it's, I mean, there's people that can't stand gold music, you know, as well, you know, who've like hate it, but I think, yeah, it's just it's, it's you're adding to. You know, the match day experience for me starts when you, you leave your house and get in the car or get on the bus or when you get out your car and you see the floodlights glowing or you're in the pub. You, you can, you know, 
talk about match the experience in so many different ways and it's so different for so many different people but that thing at the end when your team's won and you you want to you want to sing along and celebrate and or as it is these days get a selfie then you know it's uh, the, the music music's such a soundtrack for so many occasions in people's lives you know weddings birthdays christenings funerals you know music is such an accompaniment to so many things in people's life and it's uh and sports no different yeah john you're vouching the fact that we like to start the build up pretty early in the podcast again you get the tunes <laughs> on from about nine in the morning we try and get folk involved to like nominate different tunes by different bands especially like do like a few football music specials with scottish bands so yeah. it's quite good to see what they nominate as well in terms of like Giving recommendations. I noticed as well you've had some of them playing as well, like the dictator. Um definitely had. You've had a kind of few yeah, I mean, bands, which is good to see. Yeah, I mean something we always try and do at a Scotland game, it's not exclusively a Scottish only playlist, but early on, first fifteen, twenty minutes when the doors open, the the thrill of a band getting their music played at at the football is amazing. We get plenty of emails from bands wanting played in stadiums and that's great it's nowadays you know back in the day you wanted john peel to play your song or you know in scotland you want to play bbc introducing or jim gallatly or these new music shows and such as the way music's listened to nowadays you know getting yourself as a new band on a spotify playlist is an important thing but to hear your song played in the stadium i mean we've seen people like jim kerr from simple minds and ricky ross from deacon blue post on social media that their songs getting played in the stadium and they've achieved loads in their musical careers <laughs> but they're still getting that buzz of hearing Waterfront or Dignity at Hamden it's still a thing for them so I think again that goes back to the responsibility thing it's it's nice for bands to say oh my, my tune got played at Hamden um, that's good and I mean I love my new music I'm a big supporter of new music and bands and I think it's always nice to, to play a track or two yeah, that's good that um, you're integrating those ones and we've also chatted for the Tatana magazine before about how you, you'll have your almost set playlist um, for Scotland games etc you maybe add one or two in but you were given a bit of a challenge in June when you had a 90 minute delay to fill um, and how was that I mean, there's, I mean obviously so I was going to bring this up Robbie um, from our podcast said the same thing and Laurie um, Finlayson said the same thing um, how uh, how did it come to you know thinking there and then right what do we come up with? And then obviously come up with things like the, the Travis song by Zorozimi and a few others. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Graham, 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 jump in here. Obviously, the situation happened where this game, this, this looks like it might need to be stopped. So you're aware of the messaging. Obviously, Graham's down above the tunnel and I'm getting messages to relay real information. And the 90-minute thing is... At the start, when it all happened, I wasn't told, right, you've got to fill for 90 minutes. It was like 15, 20-minute increments. You guys remember, like, Graham was yeah. saying, right, players are going to come back out, they'll get five minutes to warm up, blah, 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 so it's 20 minutes. So it's like, all right, 20 minutes, that's fine. Now, I don't just work at Hamden. I work at, I'm freelance. I work at lots of different events. I work at lots of outdoor events. I've stood in the pouring rain on finish lines at, adventure races all around the UK for, for a company called Rat Race Adventure Sports. So I'm I'm no stranger to having to have a week and a put a week and a amusing song on that mentions the weather. So I do have a playlist that's kinda of ready. And I remember Graham and I you'll remind me Graham we we did a tennis event in Edinburgh that got badly rained off as at Brodie's and we had to think on our feet at that as well. So you kinda of have 
a few in your armory, such as the software we use on the laptop for play music, you can get to tunes pretty quickly. So I had a few kind of there that obviously I wasn't expecting to use that night. So it was really a case of those increments and trying to get the crowd, you know, thinking, right, we're going to be starting in 20 minutes, so I'll play a few and then we'll build up. And then it's all Georgia, they're not coming out. They're not happy with this. So you sort of bring it back down, stick on like we have a dream, and then, right, all right, we're going to start again in 10, 15 minutes, so I kind of build it up again with some bigger tunes. And in the back of my head is, don't play Loch Lomond because we need to have that at half time because it's Loch Lomond's <laughs> part of the... And then it was like, oh, right, they're not coming out again. And then you're... So it was kind of three or four kind of increments is probably how I would best describe it. And Travis just seemed like a kind of one that was an obvious one to play. As I've said to so many people... If I hadn't played Travis, I would have, if I did always rain on me, I would have quite rightly should have been slaughtered. <laughs> you know, but there was, Graham will tell you, I mean, Graham was down at the tunnel. Graham, you can pick it up with what was going on down there. Uh, well, yeah, every, everybody in the ranty was uh, in the tunnel. So uh, I came down to the tunnel area to be near where the SFA staff are and uh, Anton, who's the, the head home show at uh, Hamden Park itself as the stadium. Obviously, there was quite a few UEFA people out there deciding what to do in the referees. There was, there was quite a, a cast of thousands. Um, so everybody was kind of just waiting for, for somebody uh, to make a decision, and I was uh, told what to say. So our official sort of line management is through um, the police who sit in the booth uh, next to where Keith is. Uh, so basically, they are the ones that tell us in those kind of situations what to happen. So the, the closest situation to that, uh, previous to that, was the Hibs Rangers cup final of 2016 when a few people came onto the pitch and we had to say certain key things in a very polite manner to get everybody off the pitch as quick as you can but those those calls came from the police and it was the same with the Georgia game it wasn't just me sort of taking a sort of punt on it saying well I'll maybe say something I'll have to wait and get specific instructions so that was all going on and in terms of the music you know there was quite a bit of banter about playing certain tunes. I remember a certain uh, person in the Scottish FA who I'll keep silent just now, his name's silent, so he suggested, oh, you've got to get the Where Are The Girls On, Graham? I was thinking, that's probably just a, a bit too wedding for me. Uh, but anyway, uh, but in terms of the Travis one, I remember Keith and I are both uh, in communication on uh, radio headsets, so it's only Keith and I and a couple other people from the SFA are on that channel. Um, and so, you know, you, you communicate most things because it's there for a professional reason, but I remember Keith distinctly texting me uh, basically having Travis question mark um, and I replied saying I would or what's that effect so it was, Keith can get the credit for it but it was I, I, I gave it the stamp of approval uh, to, on text to say yeah Travis I think is, is a good way to go as Keith said it's, it was reading it's reading the room so in the same way you read the room if you're like a wedding DJ or a 21st party it's no different you've got to a sixth sense or your gut reaction comes in so I think Keith judged it right in terms of having a few kind of rain related tunes on and uh, you know the fans as you guys will know just took it to their hearts and, and belted it out which kind of made it and folk were in this kind of you know party mood anyway obviously we're, we're playing well in a pitch we're already one up at that point after about six minutes I think it was so it was a kind of general feel good factor so it just kind of added to that um, with that but you know that the music was um, was all down to Keith, to be fair, and uh, rightly got the plaudits for that. And uh, folk had a good good party, which was which was what was needed. But I think it, it kept in with the general vibe because if we were getting beat one 0 let's say, then it would be interesting with the benefit of hindsight how, how these sort of things would have gone down. Yeah, I th I, th I think if that had been like Scotland, 
five or six years ago where there wasn't the positivity or the feel-good factor about the team, it might have been a slightly different outcome. People would have maybe been drifting out and getting a bit hacked off. I mean, and it was only until like, I mean, like obviously where I'm indoors at Hamden, I'm, I'm very lucky, but it was only like after when I saw some of the videos on social media like what the downpour was like in that period of people coming in and the pictures of people wringing their socks out and stuff I, like I knew it was raining obviously because of the pitch but it was that short period and how and it was that period when people were really arriving how wet and miserable people were and that, that really hit home to me after the event I'm going wow there was a there was a kind of funny bit suddenly one of the SFA guys was like you know they're doing their video for for social media and whatever a guy was doing videos. And sometimes videos me when I do the official team lineups when they come up on the screen. So he was videoing me, and I've, I've got this, which is obviously great for a podcast because this is not visual. But he was videoing me, and I got to uh, seven Super John McGinn, and one of the UEFA delegates is trying to hand me a brawly. Now in the filming of it, I'm going like number eight, Callum McGregor, <laughs> but the picture shows me refusing a brawly. Now when you think about that event, why would anybody? Refuse an umbrella, but I was mid John McGinn into Callum McGregor, so I'm like going like that. You've got to see it, but that was one of my kind of memories of that night the kind of madness you try to go on automatic pilot and just forget what's going on and just your professional role. But as Keith says, the heavens opened for that kind of about 20 minutes before kickoff, and then uh, but yeah, it was uh, certainly a unique night, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it was like six days worth of rain in one hour. Um, Keith, it's ironic um, that you're wearing a T-shirt that's got a cloud with thunder in it. Um, <laughs> it's worth discussing this. It's at the times. Um, but, um, Can I plug I that? Can I plug that, Joe? It's actually it's the Tiny Changes charity, uh, mental health charity. And uh, so uh, the opportunity to give them a plug is good. So thank you. <laughs> well, I think charity. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that one of the funniest things I saw um, was... There was fans coming because me and my boy saw that it was getting cloudy, getting cloudy. I thought, right, let's just go in. I don't care if we're an hour and a half early. We're, we're just getting in the stadium first opportunity. And then probably about half an hour earlier, you saw fans coming in, wringing out their shirts, as you were saying, in, um, in the sink. And then they were trying to dry them off the hand. Good luck with that. <laughs> and this was June. It, it was all my fault because in the WhatsApp chat early on, I said, I don't worry. No one will need a jacket tonight. It's not going to rain. So I checked the forecast. I thought, it's June. But still check the forecast anyway in Scotland. Checked it. No, no sign. No, no plans for rain. Nothing at all. So I said, I don't worry. We're fine. So I was just there in my Scotland top. So, thankfully, um, the worst of it for me was when I was in the pub. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get kind of quite drenched. But I don't know if you've seen the one, the guy outside Hamden. He was basically having a shower outside the stadium. He was like taps off, having a shower. Um, just a good bit of scotch banter. It was uh, lovely to see. Um, on the subject of the Georgia game, obviously we faced Georgia on Thursday in Georgia. Um, so John Ellen Week spoke to Georgian fan. Yeah, Luca from the um, uh, X or Twitter account, um, Georgia Footy. Right. So we've got a, a perspective from him ahead of the game on Thursday um, and a wee interesting feature as well. So, water with her. Good stuff. Hello, I'm Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Yeah, so on Thursday, um, Scotland are obviously playing um, Georgia away from home, looking for our first victory in our third attempt. Not that it matters because we're already there, but this game's pretty important to Georgia because they're building up for their playoff um, attempt in um, March. And I'm delighted to be joined by the 
owner of the Georgian Footy Twitter account, or sorry, X account, um, Luca like Vilava. Um, Luca, thank you very much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, How are you? Right. <laughs> oh, good man. Thank you for thank you for the invite. Best to be. Best to be a part. Good stuff. And um, look, I have to ask because as we're recording, you've chosen to wear a Livingston football shirt. Now, explain to me off here that that's your only Scottish um, base shirt. I just have to ask, what was the reason behind buying a Livingston shirt? No, I've, um, I've not sure if you know the um, surprise mystery shirt kind of things, which that's a company who basically pays some money and they're sending you like a mystery shirt. And this is the one I've got. Ironically, I've got a Scottish team after uh, the uh, the time we had in Hampton Park back in June. So, yeah, I'm loving it. Loving it. Why not? Um, Good-looking shirt as well. as uh, One of the Georgian teams that have actually been nicked with a player from Livingston is uh, Bruce Anderson, the centre forward, who um, decided not to come to Georgia. Although the teams have uh, agreed on a transfer fee back in July. But, uh, yeah, man. That's that's how it is, and um, rocking it today as well for the for the pod. It's uh, oh, maybe it wasn't that re- there was enough rain in Georgia for um, Bruce. We don't know why he didn't take that move. <laughs> um, in terms of the group so far, because obviously um, it was always going to be, well, it looked as though it was going to be a tough group. Um, but how do you think Georgia performs to expectation? Because you know, from our our, our, um, our eyes. We saw George is probably one of the best top four sides, but um, you haven't got um, as close as what people thought, especially when you drew with Norway in your opening game as well. Um, I guess to start with, as you mentioned, the group is tough as well. Like We've probably been born against one of the best, if not the best opponents from their respective pods, with Spain, Scotland, Norway, and then Cyprus, which is a team that's not a gift to anyone because obviously they're... Um, and there's also a Georgian head coach who's managing Cyprus, former uh, Dundee player, who's um, trying to play his, every single team he manages, tries to play at the back. So it's never a, a gift to play against them as well. So I think um, with the expectations people had, which were more positive than what the reality was in the end, um, the, the performance wasn't the greatest, but uh, for nation as small as we are, I guess we just have to build on, on the momentum and try to learn the lessons which we obviously learn against Scotland, Norway, and, and Spain as well. Because we've, um, I guess, all three of those sides we kind of play a different game and we failed to utilize whatever we wanted. But again, as I said before, like we're, we're not um, the same side uh, as Norway. I'd say like they're the team who should be competing for that first or second spot from like slightly lower ranking teams. They're like 34, no, 47, 44 when they are in the ranking as well. Uh, we've still got quite a few years to, to get there because of the player quality, which is really quite balanced um, compared to Norway, Scotland, obviously, and Spain. We all know what kind of team they are and have been throughout the, for the past uh, decade. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, probably the way I see it. Underperforming, um, isn't quite the best um, description because the opponent we had to face and have to face are very difficult. I'd say it's a bit disappointing the results we've got, not not just the quality of the world to play and the uh, points, the amount of points we have, it's just results that haven't been the greatest, unfortunately for us. But again, have to look forward to improvement and the next 
Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, I suppose um, you're forced in the group, which is aligned to your pot position. To be fair, um, so it's, I think it was more a case of um, you weren't putting yourselves a bit closer to Scotland and, and Norway in that respect. But um, I mean, you did come to Hamden, obviously in June, and <laughs> it was a, it's a surreal it's a surreal day because um, it was an absolute. In fact, for a good month, it was a good it was a gorgeous month, and then up till like half past six that day, it was a beautiful day, and then all of a sudden you had six days worth of rain in one hour. Um, now, I'm going to be brutally honest here and hold my hand up. That game should have been delayed by at least half an hour to clear some of the excess water off the pitch. Um, so, you know, it's just... It, it, um, but obviously went ahead and then game stopped after seven minutes when we took the lead. So I can understand to the degree of Georgians. But how did you how do you um, feel about it from your point of view? Um, yeah, well, I guess it's... Um... I could be biased but objective at the same time because um whenever whenever um honestly the, the, it was like torrential rain was it from the first minute and um with the both coaches actually asking for the game to be called off Scotland scoring and then the game being postponed for the minute after uh, Scotland scored. It's obviously kinda of devastating to think about and you kind of leave the game a bit more heavy hearted but um I I, I would suggest that, uh, like, despite the score before uh, that, I think it was on the eighth or ninth minute when the game pulled off, something like that, inside the first 10 minutes. I guess, despite the score, um, you should not even be playing at first uh, to begin with, and just waited a bit more for the rain, for, for the water to be driven out of the other pitch, which the team and, and, and the groundsman staff managed to, in the end. But, but um, in my eyes, I was in favour of conditions for any, both teams because mostly there are two teams playing on the pitch, and as difficult as it was for Georgia, was as difficult for Scotland. Fortunately for you guys, you've managed to you know, get over it and win the game in events, and deservedly as well. I'm not saying that you didn't, but if I were a referee, could be biased in this one again, but I would have probably called it off in the first minute and the kick off. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that thinking, but um, I mean, obviously, it was surreal scenes because um, I saw your um, video about the t-shirt um, before I, um, I came on this call, and there was a little bit of um, you know, dig up the fact the leaf blower, which I thought uh, nothing that we've ever seen, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> watching the games at Hampden Park. So, um, but. I mean, the the ground staff worked hard, and plus the volunteers worked hard to get it back on. But when when the pitch became that little bit more playable, Georgia still wouldn't want to come back on. Do you think at this point that they became frightened of Scotland because of the way Scotland were playing, or is that unfair? Was it just a case of the conditions? Not. Uh, I guess it has to be more like into the protest thing. If that makes sense, um, because as I said, previously, like. The minute it's what that's called, the game got pulled off, which can, in a sense you can feel that, oh, why now? Because we're asking for the game to be pulled off before it. So I guess one of the cases is that, but um, I understand that it's not quite easy to postpone a game and to delay the game for, I don't know, 10, 15, 30 minutes for the weather for the week, and then you can around the game with much organisers. So you have to consider that one as well. But uh, I guess the main factors, of course, um, not um, managing to be to get back in, in the game. Although I had a few chances back in the second half, 
it's, it's mainly due to because of the mentality, which is uh, we're still having the bone as 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 a as a, a part of the nation. We could just be more passionate to each other, despite all the circumstances which were inevitable, um, which were unfortunate for us. Uh, for us to push forward and just okay, one or down again, we still got like 80, 82, 83 minutes. So, but when um, it's one but um, we still haven't got that one in us yet. So, I guess that played a part as well. As, yeah, so unfairness, yeah, a bit of a combination of all basically. But, um, since yeah. that day, since that fateful day, like to June, um. There's, you've had a bit of fun trolling Scotland fans um, yeah, since yeah, then. much fun though, it's, it's kind of like having a laugh on my own as well. Yeah, uh, how social media works and how like people are reacting to certain stuff, which again, this is um, this is normal, isn't it? Um, because well, human beings are individuals, so obviously they react to certain things a certain way. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, uh, no offence to anyone, uh, obviously, because it's, it's, it's part of the game. Sometimes you're fortunate, sometimes you're not. But, like, these um, retweeting about, like, oh, only a bit of rain, and, like, oh, just play on, <laughs> kind of thing. It's, it's get part of the game, having fun. But in, the, in the end, like, we all know that the game is all about the respect for everyone. And I've mentioned this previously, like, um, Scotland have been in Georgia, like, twice at least. And from the senior side back in 2007 and in 2015, and I've honestly um, enjoyed having a group of supporters as vocal and as kind of as engaging as they were. So, um, yeah, that's the case. No, no, no harsh feelings and no I'm trying to offend anyone at all. To be fair, I think you've um, gained a good few followers from Scotland to have enjoyed. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. Why not? Um, as well as like Scotland has been a nation who. Had a chunk of Georgian players playing out, especially in the early 2000s. And our lads is probably one of the, well, that's the best one who uh, came over to the Scotland and Rangers. But uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of, that's how it works, isn't it? Like, uh, engaging with people kind of sometimes gives you um, the advantage of uh, having extra few followers, extra dozen followers. So I'm very for everyone and I've honestly received so many messages, like kind messages wishing us qualifying right in playoffs and like see you in Germany and stuff like that. So respect to all the guys who really wish us well. And same goes to Scotland from, from us our side as well. Yeah, it would be good for you to, to join us. And you've still got this chance, even though you're sitting fourth in the, the group, because of the way this Nations League works, yeah, you still have yeah. a chance because of um your performances in um League C which we promoted yeah. from a couple of years ago. Um, and looking at your results, I had a quick look at them today. You won five and drew one of your six games. Only um, team that got anything off you was Bulgaria, which was almost surprising. Um, but home and away went against Macedonia, North Macedonia, who qualified for the last Euros. You know, yeah. that's a pretty good record that you've got there. Yeah, that, that was the time when I'd say the team got together very well. Um, you, you could sense the chemistry around the team, uh, the national team rebranded as well. We changed like, the logos and stuff like that. So the football got a bit of um, boom, which uh, made sense in Georgia. Uh, fortunately, we've been um, able to win the games quite convincingly because the scorings were like 5 2, 3 0, 2 0, 4 0. So. Uh, and, uh, I didn't really expect us to play that well, I'm going to be honest, but we've, we've managed to uh, 
clear the league, uh, clear the R group, and then um, I see at the top which guarantee there's a spot in the playoffs and now have to take on uh, Luxembourg, I think, um, as things stand, because obviously the ranking is going to change here and there, with Turkey being uh, almost guaranteed to qualify directly from their um, qualifying group. So I think we're going to face Luxembourg in the second finals. And then if we, if and when we manage to advance the finals, the winner between Greece and Kazakhstan. Yeah, because I think Turkey were meant to be in this, but then they won their group. So yeah, 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 yeah. They're top the Strong sleep. I bet you're glad that didn't come come a true. Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. I mean, the the division as a whole, like Greece, is it's been a tough team historically. I'd say because um, well, well, I mean, it's not long ago that when when they won the Euros, it was like nearly twenty years ago, two thousand and four. So, and they had a fair few appearances in the in the Euros as well as the World Cup. So. Say that they're never a gift as well as Kazakhstan were on, on the roll right now. Um, still got the chance to qualify as they're beating Denmark at home to start the qualifiers. But uh, yeah, Turkey being off off from that <laughs> qualifying grid is as playoff grid is definitely a positive for us. So we can help start chances to qualify by um, the playoffs. And hopefully it happens, it happens this time at least. Yeah, well, you've got a couple of games to try and build momentum for that playoffs, and you're also playing a Scotland side who historically you've done well in Georgia. You beat us in 2007, yeah, yeah. which killed us for your 2008. Um, you beat us in 2015, which pretty much killed our hopes for your 2016. Um, how confident are you that you can maintain the 100% record? Um, because it's a different Scotland team now. Although we're missing a couple of players, this is going to be a Scotland team that is coming over to right that wrong of um, two previous campaigns. Um, I mean, you have to be positive, don't you? Because um, if you're not looking forward to winning, what, what's the point of <laughs> playing football? So, mostly, I hope to help us. Um, well, firstly, like for us, I think it's more um, just to grow as a team, and we only got like, two more games left until the playoffs. So, you have to just build that chemistry as much as you can, and have to maintain the team as, as, as good as you can. So. Um, a win would be huge because of that morale boost and that uh, to, to see next Spain and then to what's called the playoffs is so I think like we've got some chances um, but the issue is there's actually a raining on the 16th of November in Georgia so I'm not sure about that but um, yeah, yeah I mean uh, if, if, if I think we always, we've got some chances to to get a positive results so on Thursday next Thursday, so let's see what happens. Hopefully, we we manage to pull off a, a classic, isn't it? Because uh, all the you know, there's only been two uh, having a hundred percent record at home against the team as historically decent as the Scotland. Well. Well, that doesn't continue, obviously. And then you end with um, a way to Spain. So this probably is your best chance of getting a victory on the board before um, before the game's in March, obviously. Um, but you do have one top-class player in your team um, in Kavarch earlier. Um, he's also yeah. doing well at Napoli just now. How far do you think this boy will go? And, and, and talk a wee bit more about the rest of your team because it's you're more than just a one-man band and you'll need him to be yeah, in front yeah. because he wasn't at Hamden, was he? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, um, yeah, Kvara's got a um, uh, hope, and I believe that he's got a big future ahead of him. Uh, with the way he kind of just adapted quickly into a really solid Napoli side, won the Italian Championship, and 
played some decent football with the team, both national team as well as as, as, um, as club side. So um, I think uh, he, if if he manages to maintain that level of consistency, which he lacks by the end of the season, especially what we saw against um, Scotland uh, when he missed the pen, actually uh, tweeted about like. I expected him to miss the pen because he just seemed mentally so drained. Because obviously coming from Georgia, no one really expected him to be that that good. I remember like a few months before he had his debut with Napoli, I was on a podcast with a guy of Napoli Sports, and he was like, "What are you expecting?" I said, "Like if he gets Apple goals, Apple assists on his debut season, I'd, I'd say that's that's good." But then he managed to score like fourteen assists, like twelve. Win like Champions League Young Player of the Year, Serie MVP. So obviously that kind of builds a bit of um, what's the suspense inside of you, hoping that you will maintain the form. And whenever you just um, don't just um, you kind of move away, you kind of like don't score as much as you did. That obviously um, happens. That uh, makes a bit more kind of mental change in, in yourself. And uh, he was drained. I'd say he was drained by the end of the season. Hopefully this season is going to be trying to readapt and rethinks why. Uh, he was the way he was last season and uh, we'll have more consistent chunks of him playing well as they did last, start last season so like the first three quarters of the season uh, like that. so if he manages to uh, be consistent he manages to stay healthy which is probably the most important thing uh, for an athlete and a human being as well uh, he go on and achieve anything he wants again with certain occasions like uh, I think Stays healthy, but physically, mentally, well. Yeah, you certainly are dangerous to um, worry about. So, um, before I get your score predictions and stuff, I did ask you um, for one challenge, and that was to name a seven aside Georgian team uh, consisting of one goalkeeper, two defenders, two midfielders, and two forwards. So, from your lifetime, from watching the national team till now, um, who'd make that team? Uh, oh, same, just passing present as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with. Um, well, Mamada Shvilingo, who's our current goalkeeper, playing for Valencia, uh, has been there for three seasons and is doing quite well. Or someone who's been bought as a fourth choice goalkeeper, um, quickly managed to make himself a starter in the team and at what team Valencia is as a starter as well. So I'll go with him in there. A sense of that, I'm going to go with, um, with Kaladze, Ace Man, two time Champions League winner, he played with. In my eyes, the best centre back ever in Paolo Maldini. The second best centre back ever, Alessandro Nesta as well. So, um, yeah, had, had quite the legacy uh, for someone coming from Georgia, coming to achieve everything. Um, as the second defender, I'll probably go with, um, say, career wise, uh, he's initially had a decent career as he played for Rangers as well as Blackburn. In England, um, Newcastle, I think, as well. Uh, I'd probably stick with him as, as a defender. In midfield, um, uh, happy to mention Gilkin Kladze from Manchester City in terms of also one of the, like, what could have been stories uh, Georgia football because he just just played like three seasons and then he just quit. <laughs> and the play he was and the the quality he possessed is, is obviously someone who would have again gone and achieved anything he wanted, but fortunately, his mental side of things didn't really work out well, uh, which is a common thing back in Georgia in the 90s uh, and in the early 2000s as well. 
the second midfielder, I'd say, um, I'd say Levan Kobiashvili from uh, Schalke midfielder, uh, who's now the uh, president of the Georgian Football Federation. The only Georgian who scored a hat trick in the Champions League, which was back in 2005 against PSV Antwerpen. And up top, uh, obviously, Kratzkelia, who's in my eyes, will be the greatest Georgian player to have ever played. Uh, and Shostar Avaladze next day uh, up top. So, yeah, that's that's my seven-a-side team. I play every single week <laughs> with uh, in the event. So, yeah. That is a pretty good um, seven to be fair, look at. And, um, yeah, finally, it just gives your score prediction for the game on uh, Thursday. And um, what kind of... Um, uh, reception should the Tartan Army expect from the locals in Georgia? Um, okay, I'm going to start from the late, late question, which, again, like, uh, I'm, I'm convinced, uh, even previously, back in 2015, six or seven, I think it was, none, none of, like, any um, unfortunate circumstances have occurred, and everyone, I think everything was went positive between the two sets of fans, both home and away. So, yeah, I think the reception would be Kind of nice because obviously with um, teams, especially with Scotland, how welcome the fans are, um, they bring a lot of atmosphere as well. Like it's, you can kind of sense the footballing culture up up north from, from Georgia, up up north from Georgia. So it's definitely a good thing to watch and to I'd say like um, observe for ninety plus minutes because even before the games and after the games, the party and stuff like I know the pop culture is amazing in the UK, so. Um, that kind of gets reflected whenever um, uh, fans visit um, Georgia. So, yeah, I guess it's all around is going to be kind of positive. As for the predictions for the game, I'm going to go with a, a tidy 1 0 win for Georgia. Uh, with, um, oh, St. Clara is kind of obvious, but I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go Clara's kind of scoring the goal. He's going to win uh, for Georgia. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Yeah, hopefully yeah. not. Um, but yeah. no, listen, um, listen, all the all the best. Look, uh, thanks very much for your time, and um, thanks for yeah. uh, giving time to um, Scottish Football Forums podcast. Um, enjoy the game, not too much next Thursday, but probably more importantly, good luck in the qualification for Germany, and hopefully, we'll see you there. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. So the game on Thursday, uh, obviously, we've qualified already. It's definitely not a nothing game, but we've got a bit of a kind of patched up squad, um, injuries in certain places. How do you think the game will go on Thursday? Because we've not got a good record in Georgia. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Steve Clark experiments uh, out with the kind of dealing with the, the injuries we've got, particularly in defence. So uh, my gut reaction is he probably will experiment a little bit. I would predict he might give Lewis Ferguson a wee start. He's obviously been playing well and maybe an opportunity to play somebody like him. But other than that, I don't think he'll he'll, he'll tamper too much. I think, you know, if you do that, then you lose a lot of momentum. Um, and the connections in the score, that's the one that's bigger, the connections across the pitch and, you know, the, the link-ups on, on various parts of the pitch. So I don't think he'll tinker too much, but I would guess he, he might play Lewis Ferguson, who's certainly worth a shout. He's been playing well. Um, you see, he can speak fluent Italian now. I don't know if you saw that on social media. Yeah. He's very good at Italian now, but uh, more, more importantly, he can score a couple of goals. So 
I don't think it'll change that much apart from him coming in, you know, kind of new-ish, if you like, although he's had a couple of appearances off the bench. But, no, I think they'll be kind of maintain the, the good momentum and not too much experimentation is what I would predict. And, you know, here's hoping that they, they get a win or certainly don't lose. Yeah, it's important as well in terms of seedings for the Jordan. That's someone as well, so I th- yeah, I mean, that, that for me is quite what's made international football every game's important, and there's like point it's like seedings for the Nations League as well, so every game's important. And I think is that not the case for the Norway game as well? That you know, Norway will be looking to win and get points, and so it, it makes every game competitive, but uh, which, which is only a good thing, yeah. I think I don't think there's any doubt that Steve Clark will treat this as um, no. It won't, might not have the same intensity as the other games, but he'll still be delivering the message. We need to win this game. We want to get that pot too. Um, and especially now that we're going to have to try a relatively untested goalkeeper because both Liam Kelly and Xander Clark have only played 45 minutes each. Um, you know, I, I think Xander Clark's favourite to be number one this week because I don't think Liam Kelly's in great form. Robin McCrory's not getting games. Obviously, I guess guns out. But yeah, we want to keep this momentum going. I want us to um, finish with seven wins out of eight. So, you know, I think everyone else will be the same. Absolutely. No, the goalkeeper choice is an interesting one. Obviously got a 45 minutes each. There's probably not much between them, but I I guess it'll be all to do with how they come across in training and how they uh, connect with their fellow, whoever their defenders may be uh, on the night. And, um, you know, I'm not a goalkeeping expert, but, you know, it depends how much importance to play on the kind of... uh, the newer elements of a goalkeeping skill set in terms of playing with the ball at their feet, um, I would say they're okay-ish as, as, as goalkeepers in that area. But again, what 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 is it that's going to differentiate one goalkeeper from the next? I mean, you might say they're both pretty eeksy-peeksy in terms of, sort of traditional shot-stopping and other elements of a game. I say I'm not an expert, but as you say, it's interesting to see who gets the nod to be, to be in goals because they've got a chance uh, you know, to get, get, get a few more caps, uh, depending on what happens with, with Angus Gung. And obviously... Who knows what's going to happen with Craig Gordon in the future? Will he come back as <laughs> superhero once again? So uh, it'll be certainly a chance for either or both to kind of um, make a claim. Yeah, I don't know. Name I've seen quoted as possible um, getting called up as the boy Jason Stewart Brighton, but I think there's a case of, I don't know whether the question's been asked about whether he wants to play for Scotland or not. Don't know. Last I heard, he was asking, he said no. So. Said no, so. Um, but. Hopefully, these guys can take their opportunity and give us further depth in the position because that's something just now we keep on talking about the depth that we've got all over the pitch, which is not something maybe we had, say, three, four years ago. No, I, mean, I suppose you, you had like Marshall retiring, Alan McGregor retiring. Um, you had that yeah, you had that period where there was yeah, three of them. Obviously, Gordon was out for a, you know, a period injured. I think I think that that's that's the area that you we're all going to be looking at. I think who, who does he pick, and he's obviously not going to get the chat. He gives one one game, one the other. I think Steve Clark's pretty loyal. I think he, if he goes with one for the Georgia game, he'll stick with them for the Norway game. I think that's what he'll do. And I think as as Graham says, it's that modern way, and particularly since they changed the goal kick rule where the ball doesn't have to leave the box. Just you know, everyone's. Well, pretty much most teams are playing it short from the goalkeeper to the two centre halves, and it's who's best equipped to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, you're looking up a possible selection issue would be up top, but Shea Adams withdrew today, so you're saying London Dykes will start. That's a kind of definite. Is it spent Greg Taylor at left back? Yeah, I'd think so. Yeah, I mean, none of us have it. I see you know, Josh Doig that much, but you know, he's in the squad obviously on merit. 
Uh, but I've always been impressed with Greg Taylor when you see him on the odd occasion playing for Celtic. He's obviously playing in a, a good team, um, playing at high intensity. Um, so I would have no qualms with him playing. I wouldn't think it would overly weaken the left-hand sides uh, in that sense. So, yeah, expect him to come in. As I say, in the middle of the park, for me, would you want to kind of freshen up as an opportunity to have a, a wee look at somebody when there's slightly less pressure, uh, in a sense, because, you know... You know, likes of John McGinn, etc. They're not going to last forever. So when do you give opportunities for the likes of a Lewis Ferguson, for example, to get that sort of chance? You're going well. If you've qualified already, then you know it's arguably as good a chance as any. You know, there's there's no such thing as a friendly in a traditional sense. Every game sort of counts for something. So you might argue it's as good a chance as any to give somebody either a start or give somebody a good solid kind of twenty twenty five minutes, depending on how the game's going. And you, that could be applied to a whole number of players in the squads. Um, you know, Billy Gilmore's been kind of in and out. You know, Callum McGregor never seems to not play. Would you would you give him a, a rest, quote-unquote? Um, you know what you can do, um, but maybe it's an opportunity for somebody else to kind of start in the middle of the park. But it's certainly interesting, but you certainly I think the players will all be up for it, knowing that there's a great chance to, you know, uh, make Steve Clark think, you know, never mind starting, but getting in the squad, which in itself will be very competitive to make the final squad going for the Euros himself in Germany. Uh, yeah, I mean, John McGinn's performance for Aston Villa at the weekend was incredible. I mean, I mean, I'm only going by what I saw in match of the day, but his build-up, his assist, his goal, you know, they're raving about him. And he's obviously thriving under a, a really, really good manager who's got a really good track record. Um, the other thing, if you look at the Aston Villa connection, you know, Austin McPhee, who Steve Clark's brought in, he's been there under three, three managers have retained him. You know, I mean, Hearts fans would probably... Be like can probably can't believe that, but three like high caliber you know managers with good experience have retained him. Steve Clark brought him in, um, and it's a big part of football set plays, um, and obviously there's a connection there. Um, but I think like Graham says, I'd, I'd echo the the Lewis Ferguson thing. I think uh, Greg Taylor. I think the key thing about Greg Taylor at Celtic is you actually forget he's actually one of the senior players. I'm sure it was Postacoglu or Brendan Rodgers referenced Greg Taylor as like him and um, Callum McGregor are pretty close, you know, in the leadership. I, I, I hate the leadership team phrase that's creeping in, but I, I guess there's an importance to it. Um, and I think Greg Taylor, obviously Steve Clark knows him from Kilmarnock. I think he's a really good, solid, dependable left back, which is the biggest cliche you can give to a full back. But you want solid, you want dependable, good use of the ball. Um, obviously, we're blessed with good players in that position. I think, um, I wonder if Clark might even think about a change in formation. He's done it before. Um, he did it for the Ukraine and Ireland's um, triple header last September. He moved to a four because Robertson was out then and Tierney moved to left back. Both Tierney and Robertson are out. Um, and some of our centre-backs aren't even getting a game just now. So he might think of that. He's done it before. Obviously he prefers the 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, whatever way you want to word it. But he is thrown, um, prone to a curveball every now and then. And I just wonder, with the personnel we've got, and given that Taylor is used to playing the back four going forward, Patterson's used to playing the back four going forward whenever he starts games for Everton. He might be tempted that way, but we'll wait and see. That's a good point. You've you've got your job as uh, Steve Clark's assistant, assistant, assistant there with that analysis. You know, I, that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I see where you're coming. I think from. I like the qualifications, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose another thing as well is you, you look at the opposition, obviously I'm not forensically across international football, but how did Georgia play? How did Norway play? I mean, Norway, I watched the Norway-Spain game and Haaland 
didn't get a kick. And I know that for Man City, he maybe gets five touches in a game and scores three. And that's his still, but you just saw the difference with Haaland, with Norway, without that creativity around him and against the kind of, shall we say, the experience that, that Spain had, that he just offered nothing. But I think he'll probably be fired up at Hamden. But again, that's a big part of it as well. I don't say forensically watch international football, so I couldn't tell you how Georgia line up, and I couldn't tell you much about Norway other than Haaland and a couple of other players. But I think Steve Clark will clearly be looking at that um, and and how he sets the team up. Just on the mention of Georgia, and um, it's not going to be happening on obviously for this game, but Graham, you must have a difficulty sometimes trying to learn the pronunciations of some of the names when you're announcing the teams. No, it can be a challenge. Uh, that, that, that's right. I mean, um, to be fair to UEFA, um, they've got a fantastic uh, part of the website which has some of the players, you know, um, spelt phonetically. So they do that for the big competitions, the men and the women. So the kind of main players, uh, they've got a few of them there. Uh, we've got a good friend, uh, YouTube and pronunciations, or you're looking for what I do sometimes, try and find like a player interview, uh, either, you know, in their native tongue or they maybe say their name themselves. Uh, and also if I can, which is slightly more difficult due to access, I try and uh, certainly in the past when I worked at Rugby at Murrayfield, I managed to speak to like the media manager or something like that and, you know, just get them to say it and I would just write it phonetically. But I do, you know, pride myself as other people in my position do and other, you know, football commentators on, on TV, you know, you've, you've got to get it right. You're just being respectful for somebody's name, but it might look like there's 17 letters in the surname, but you don't pronounce every single one. You just learn that from experience that certain languages and certain uh, nationalities, you know, you kind of know the kind of sort of phraseology or how the, how to intonate. But no, it's certainly something I pride myself and hopefully trying to get right, hopefully get it more right than wrong. I'm sure the, the Georgians will tell me that if they could speak to me and I could speak to them. Uh, but no, I, I do my I do my best to make a, a good go of it. And, um, you know, I do, I do tend to write things phonetically. Um uh, so I'll hopefully get it right and uh, hopefully Norway will be slightly easier but you know you still do your homework on that and make sure you do it right I remember working at the Euros was a, uh, when Sweden were playing there was a few that kind of when I researched it I was actually quite surprised so for example uh, Larsson you say Larsson now going back to Henrik Larsson if I just said Larsson now we say it in a very English-fied way uh, if you like Larsson and probably nobody would bother if I said that but Officially, it's Larshon. Now, if I said that for Henry Lar- Henrik Larshon, I'd be going, who's this guy? You know, so there's there's some kind of, you know, uh, subtle, subtle but important differences with with certain um, certain surnames. And um, as I say, your job is to do it right, and I say hopefully get it more right uh, than get it wrong. I think that's yeah. interesting. The the women's game, Sandy McIver made her yes. debut, and we got a message to say that she basically. She always gets called McGeever, but it's McIver. And when you're making your Scotland debut, you know, at Hamden Park or whatever, you know, it's just that thing. But it, what was nice is we got the message and you go, that's great. It's just people joining the dots, working together, big, big moments. So it's just nice when people don't think we, Graham would be offended by it. All you want to do is get it right. And as I say, it's, a, it's a, such a special occasion for someone representing their country or making their debut for a club. You know, it's just it's good manners to get get the name right so it's nice when people think and they notify you and you go that's good we're glad really happy to make sure we get it right remember John when we had Derek Ray on and he was talking about Bruno well people in England were thinking about Bruno Fernandes and he said no he spoke to him and it was like Bruno Fernandes and even as well because he's doing the FIFA commentary and he's trying to get all the names right and stuff like that for that 
Maybe that could be another gig. Graham, get a FIFA gig. Once Derek Gray stopped doing it. That would be a great gig, eh? Being a stadium announcer. There probably there is a stadium announcer, as not in these FIFA games. Maybe you don't hear that person that often. Yeah. I think there is uh, somebody that does that. No, that would be uh, an opportunity one would uh, gladly have a conversation about. <laughs> we'll tag Derek Ray in this podcast and link him in. So we'll certainly recommend you, that's for sure. <laughs> thank <laughs> in, you. In te- when you go, Graham, sorry. No, I was just saying thank you. It's very kind. What, what, what do you want? Ten percent, twenty percent? It's my idea, so like I, I'm getting it back. Well, it's a lot. of percentages getting split here. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the preparation for the Norway game, spoke briefly about it. You know, how um, quickly would you have um, started that preparation, and how much different is this one, given the fact that we know we've qualified? It's going to be. It's the last game. It's going to be a party atmosphere. And I know you can't give everything away right now, but what sort of preparations are going into this to make sure that you give as good a party atmosphere as possible on Sunday night? No pressure. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of just general preparation, we've had like so many games at the National Stadium lately in terms of Fireplay Cup semi-finals and women's internationals as well. So the team at the SFA and myself, you know, you're kind of bouncing from one one to another. Um, so what we were, we were chatting on Monday night, uh, I've already been having conversations with the SFA about this game two weeks ago, you know, and th- th- there's a template for each game and there's a, there's a template very much because it's a UEFA game. So there's things we're following with UEFA in terms of anthems. So there is a template from, you'd probably say 10 minutes from kickoff that really doesn't change. Um, and ahead of that, there's, there's you know there's video content on the big screen, Graham doing pieces to camera. So it's not that it's not always keeping it fresh, but there's a template that we tend to use for each campaign. So that's very much in place. And Hamden's, you know, really, really blessed with brilliant big screens at either end of the stadium that are just great for putting content on. I mean, we go back to the, the Georgia game and the rain delay. We've got, a, I think it's up to about 15 minutes now of best classic Scotland goals. So, like, I remember we threw that up on the screen as well. And there'll be many spectators who don't get into the stadium until 10 minutes before kickoff who probably have never seen that. And, like, you know, they're all there. McFadden, Archie Gemmell, Doug Leach, you know, there's a lot of great goals. So these things will be shown and obviously I look back at the campaign and basically different bits of hype videos for, for to basically celebrate what's been a great campaign um, and you'll make it special for for people. I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, not giving too much away, you know, the players will walk around the pitch at the end of the game, you know, it's the last home game of the campaign. So that, that, sh- that shouldn't surprise anyone that there, there will be that and that that's as much from the players' perspective to thank the fans, you know, for, for the support and you know, football fans are notoriously not very patient. You know, Tartan Army and Scotland fans have just really connected with this team. And, you know, there's been a few bumps in the road, of course. But I say, again, we go back to that Georgia game. If, it, if the Scotland team was a team that wasn't maybe doing well, then that stadium probably would have emptied due to a rain delay. So there's that real connection there. Um, so, yeah, so the preparation is, the preparation is thorough um, and it's a few spreadsheets and... Uh, just going through, you know, make sure we've got national anthems in place for the for the away team. You're always, you know, I'm always pride myself, and you check the national anthem, and then you check it again, and then you check it again, and you probably check it again just to make sure it's the right one. And so all these things are really, really important. And and on match day, we do we do rehearsals. You know, we re- rehearse the piper and we rehearse whoever's signing for the deaf and any other bits of content. And 
believe it or not, people might be surprised to hear we, we rehearsed the teams coming out the tunnel and how they line up and flags placed on the pitch. That all goes through a process of rehearsal and attention to detail so that when it happens, you know, it, it looks and sounds great in the stadium and of it really importantly to UEFA, it looks and sounds great to the people watching on telly. I mean, it's ba- the easiest way to relate to it perhaps, uh, you know, is, is, is you're basically providing a TV show. So it is run to the second. Now, the average supporter won't necessarily know that and maybe doesn't understand why it's done that way, but you're basically working back, as Keith says, from kickoff, and a lot of that's dictated by UEFA and or, or FIFA, and therefore you've got to slot in the, the, the points as we would be if we were doing a Wales game or a Kazakhstan game. Everybody's got to follow the same formula, particularly 10, 15 minutes to kickoff. But you obviously want to add your, your own sort of unique parts to it. So we work, you know, with the SFA, so I'd add the wee bits of sort of content like Keith says, like, you know, goal montages and if I can chat to some fans before the game and show the, the fantastic array of flags that always rounds up, I always, if I can, kind of get a chance to kind of point them out or if we can, maybe chat to a couple of fans. So if I can try and do that at the Norway game, that would be great as a kind of celebration. And then, you know, as Keith said, you know, hopefully the players will come at the end of the game and if there's an opportunity to chat to a player, then you know that'd be great to do. I think it'd be quite nice to happen, but that, that's not my gift to make that decision. But it'd be quite nice if you know if we could do that kind of thing as a celebration. I'm sure, you know, Andy Robertson or whomsoever, you know, would we, be absolutely tremendous, and we'd get a great response if we did that. Um, and it might be a, a wee bit of fun at half time. I think maybe there's a wee surprise there for for a couple of folk maybe at half time. So we try and get wee bits and bobs of of entertainment if we can, but. A lot of it is dictated by UEFA and what you can or cannot do. You might have these fantastic creative ideas, but um, again, it doesn't matter if we were doing this at Hamden or Wembley or whatever. There's certain things that you know you, you just sort of can't do, unfortunately, as much as you creatively would like to do that. But you know, at the end of the day, I suppose it's not about Keith and I. Whatever, we're just we're just given a, a sort of wee platform with with music and videos just to add to the whole match day and uh, you know it's, at the end of the day it's, it's what happens on the pitch is important and the music can you know just hopefully complement that with a few goal celebration tunes hopefully along the way with a wee German theme or something like that uh, well, a wee German I mean, theme well no I mean it's interesting because obviously I'm always very conscious of like what songs are, are emanating from the terraces I, I never kind of think it's kind of my responsibility or Graham's responsibility to kind of start something there's nothing worse actually than a for me, a stadium announcer or someone trying to force something on the things that start organically on the terraces are always the best. So, you know, you're aware of like the, it was in Norway, Hey Baby, DJ Otzi, that became something. And um, K Sarah Sarah, we're going to Germany, is another one. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's always tracks in there. But I mean, the thing is, during. Um, more so actually during lockdown, there was more, when we had to do the games behind closed doors, there was more communication with the players about what music was actually played in the stadium when they were warming up. Um, and I, I, I'm a fan of that. You might appreciate that some people turning up at the stadium are like at a certain time, maybe 40 minutes before kickoff, saying, what's this garbage that's getting played here? But if it's helping the players then, you know, and it's helping motivate them, then it's surely a good thing. Surely even the most, you know, miserable Tartan Army member who can't stand music with at least surely acknowledge that, all right, it's, it's helping the players in their warm-up. You know, you see the players coming out with the big headphones off the bus and they're listening to their motivational playlist. So there's there's that, that that's actually come into it. And I, I think that's really, really good. I think that's really important. And that goes back to the connection with the team and the fans and... Um, 
you know, the sort of banter about Kieran Tierney's happy hardcore CD getting played, you know, it's... Uh, but I, I think it's good. I think it's important. Your music, as I said earlier, it plays such an important role in everyone's life. You know, there's there's the psychology of music when you go into a shop because that type of music might make you spend more money or music when you're in a bar or a restaurant. So being played at a sporting event, it's it's a big, big part of it. The only thing the only thing I've considered over over the years, I don't think this would work, but you know, hear me out. You know, some some stadiums across across the world, the stadium announcer will say, "I'll use John McGinn as example, number seven, John," and you guys would all shout McGinn. Now that's something that I could start, okay, and then nobody's going to know I'm going to start it, so it would just fall on quite literally deaf ears. Now it's probably one of these things that have to, has to be programmed. Now, I'm not saying I want to do that, but my point is to back what Keith says. It's over a meal. Oh, I've got this great idea. I'll say John and everyone else will say him again. Well, that looks good on paper, but the reality is that a Scottish crowd probably wouldn't do that. It's not a natural thing to do, but they might do it in Spain or Germany or Italy because it's just part of what they've done for, for decades. However it started, I don't know, but you know that day may come, and if somebody's listening to this, they might start it on Sunday. If they do, fantastic. But the point is it's it's got to come from the crowd, you know, and I'll, I'll continue to do the way I've done it. Uh, until you know everybody else takes over, and everybody else takes over saying the surname that's fine by me. And if that becomes a Scotland thing, great, but it's not for me to you know sort of dictate that. As Keith said, it's got to come from the terraces, whether it's music or chants or some other kind of you know part of the, the match day experience. Right, it's interesting that one. Um, see, just going back to the music, then Keith, you were saying about how it's a kind of combination, then with a bit right and saying yourself, the SFA, the players. Any kind of fan involvement at all, like in terms of no, no, not not really. I mean, I, I don't I don't go any on any message boards, and I don't really look about on Twitter, and that you know that's just because you kind of think you know what am I going to get from it uh, really? And I didn't. A few people said to me after the Georgia game, you need to look on Twitter and see all the comments because there's a lot of positivity it's quite funny so I went on and went oh that's good it was a moment in time as we discussed earlier and that was nice and it was nice to, to get the positive comments about about what we played but I obviously I look at the charts I look at radio playlists you know I'm on quite a few mailing lists for new bands so I get a, I get a lot of music sent to me and a couple of promotions companies if they've got a Scottish act that's any chance you can stick this on at Hamden, and it's it's like it's like doing a wedding, you know. I'm not there to be John Peel, you know. You're there to provide a service. So at half time, you know, Loch Lomond is, was played long before I was doing the job, and it's become part of, you know, the the fabric of a Scotland international. So that input, yeah, that you could you could do a playlist by committee. I'm not sure it would be any good, um, because it's, as I said in that back to the Georgia game where it was kind of 20 minute increments I was conscious of trying to build up to when I thought we were going to restart so trying to get a crescendo going and then oh we're not so you're thinking about that building up and whether people love or hate 500 miles by the Proclaimers it still gets a reaction the Tartan Specials will be coming gets a reaction yes sir I can boogie gets a crowd reaction and I thought it was quite actually amusing at the England game when the England fans were singing along as well but it was, you know, the players coming out of the tunnel and for the start of the second half and the whole of Hamden was singing along to it and if you're a player coming out you think, alright, the crowd are up for this and, you know, get back into this game so, yeah, I'll always keep an open ear it's it's never a close shot but you've got to, as you say, there's also a responsibility you know, when it plays some obscure Mogwai B-side as much as I love Mogwai 
Um, we've got a couple of questions um, that have come through the, um, the Twitter post that we put up today, and I do literally mean two, because one replied to the SFF and one replied to me. Um, so, Harry Finlayson again, um, I covered the Georgia one, um, but he also asked, what's your favourite Scotland national team anthem? To both of you, obviously. Anthem? Uh, oh, well... Or song, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're getting into World Cup song territory, so we have a dream. That nothing else comes close to we have a dream. Um, there's just so much going on in that that's brilliant, and that's just the top of the pops performance. It's just lyrically magnificent, and just everyone involved in it is just superb. No, I, I can't disagree with Keith there. Um, you know, you, you can't beat that for like you know the anthemic qualities, the the, the funny Scottish uh, banter factor. Um, no, it's good, and you know, to be fair, go back to the return specials. That's similarish. It's quite quite quirky, but there's a bit of fun to that, and it's got that simple kind of chant element to it so you know as your classic sort of three minute pop song if you're writing your a Christmas hit you know there's certain elements you've got to have in there so I think the Tartan Specials actually over the years it's actually it might sound a bit kind of old and a bit slow but it's got that that that, that connection which is important as we talked about earlier on the podcast there's a lot of connections that are important that identity and I think it, that does that job as well for me. And um, Scott McGill singing Sensation, um, he um, asked the question, have you ever been caught off guard with scran in your mouth as an announcement is required? <laughs> uh, I, well, I probably have, but um, there's a couple of times I've kind of like been coughing or um, something or not coughing full, but just kind of caught in the moment and you feel kind of embarrassed by it and you think, oh, how did that happen? Why did I do that? Um, but not not, not eating or, or drinking or having a sort of sneaky pie. I do try and sort of time that as best I can if I can get a pie, of course, which is difficult in itself. But um, no, t- touch any bit of wood that's nearby here. Um, no, that that's not happened, and obviously, long may that continue. You're far too professional, then. <laughs> or try to be. Scott, no asking when his tunes getting played. Was that? I thought Scott would be asking that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't actually. He's done a couple of sets for this FA, so hopefully um that'll be send them across. I'm not aware of this 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 performing artist. Get get the music sent over. Whatever it takes. So you might have heard it um would have been three years ago yesterday. Um the Serbia game. Oh, that was the kind of show reels in different places, but um that's a good one. Because there was loads at the Euros and there was like loads of folk were covering yes, Sirak and Boogie and there was uh I'd, I actually put a playlist together because Graham and I, we did an interview for STV ahead of that and they asked me to put together a playlist and I put on quite a few of those. That's terrible. I can't. I need, I need, I need to bring that playlist up because there was a few really good ones on that that I quite like, quite quirky ones. Was, was, it, oh, was it Randolph Sleep? They, they, they should have seen us coming or something like that. I thought it was really, really, really liked it. It was so good I can't remember who it was by. Um, but yeah, there, there's always people like doing that. There's a guy, Phil, is it? I can't mind his surname, but he's done one from Glasgow to Berlin. Um, oh, PG Gilletta, yeah. Yes, yeah, it's like in that. That, 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 that. That's me getting an airing on Sunday. What, what do we think? Do you think someday, uh, or a combination of people, will uh, write a Scotland uh, Euro song? I mean, that for me is pretty high likely to happen. And we could speculate and have a 16-hour podcast on what that song should be and who should be the roll call of uh, the great and good of the Scottish music industry, plus some deadbeat celebrities, of course, to, to sing, because that happens. But I wonder if that'll happen. 
I wonder if we'll get a song for the Euros. There'll definitely be a song, but it would be a combination of different people, like famous Scottish people, famous Scottish bands, get a wee kind of band-aid type, but Scotland. Aye, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think. I mean, I'd like to think it'll be, it'll happen, and it'll be interesting to see what's come up with, but maybe we could, uh, we, we could do a Roman, of course, you know, four of us sitting here, we could, we could rival that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to pass on the fact that I, I can't sing. I can't, I can't mind mention, so you can forget about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I try to make a stab at a kind of verse or something. I, 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 I feel I've got a wee pun in me or some playing words, but you know, I certainly okay. can play Grim music. Like, like likes a pun. I've, oh, I've I... checked my Spotify playlist. It was Randolph's Sleep. They didn't see us coming. Oh the, yeah, great, great, great tune. Really like that, uh, and a, a worthy plug for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I like... before... sorry. sorry. I saw Teenage Fan Club the other week. Get get Teenage Fan Club to write a song. That'd be really good. <laughs> yeah, I think there should be a lot of Scottish bands having a, an artist having a wee challenge. Um, but there was some. There wasn't an official song. There was like one or two like unofficial ones. There was the. Um, I think most of them are themed on Yesterday I Can Boogie, but the Fratellis did their own version of that song. Um, there was the La Fontaine's did um, Scotland Bonnie Scotland. There was that one. Um, Fruit Coombe did Yes Sir I Can Boogie yeah. as did the Dirty is it the Dirty Kilts they did it as well. Um, so there was a few there was a few kicking about. Um Scott did whatever it takes, but um that was the song he did. But initially Scott also did he did an acoustic version of Yes Sir I Can Boogie and then the David Marshall song before he ended up writing Whatever It Takes. Yeah. So that's how he's got his name out and featured in SFA videos. <laughs> Well, we're we're blessed with a, a fine body of work from the Scottish music scene, so I'm sure there's people already giving it some thought. Franz Ferdinand featuring Lewis Capaldi. There we go. There's a mashup for you. <laughs> that could be good. I mean, you're saying you've got a wee verse in you. Have you had a wee idea before about a wee verse? Have you got a wee verse prepared? Or no, no, I'm I'm sorry, I'm talking myself up here with no nothing to back it up. But no, I, you know, I, I, next time, next time. Next time, I like to be playing words, but you know, well, like I do co-writing with uh, Lewis Capaldi or whomsoever. Just there's nowhere to find me. We can we can do it together. Get seven months, so seven months to work in your idea, Graham. It could well come up. Okay. Right, you heard it um, first. <laughs> um, and a question from Josh as well. Any tunes in particular are blacklisted by SFA that would be like no go? There's the obvious ones that would be like maybe linked with certain clubs, but anything in particular they ever go no. No, it's, no. It, more so, you're just aware it, uh, if it's club games or semi-finals. You obviously know which for certain clubs, and you're not going to play certain songs, uh, which is basically just common sense. Um, so yeah, but a Scotland game. No, I mean obviously I wouldn't be sticking three lines on, you know. But it's just like it's it's. <laughs> I remember I had to fill out a questionnaire ahead of the Euros, and about and that kind of question was sort of I can't remember how it was phrased, but it was like. What songs you would play or what songs would you not play? And it was Bedeal and Skinner, three lines. <laughs> and so, but listen, this, this music's such a personal thing to so many people. So, as we know in this day and age, if somebody wants to be offended by something, they will go out of their way to find a way to be offended by it and then tell Twitter. So, uh, it's. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like a bit of a cynic there, but no, I mean, it, it, it generally goes back to the, the responsibility, but you have got to be very much aware of, you know, what you're doing and what you're playing and just make sure you're sort of giving everything a second thought. Uh, we had a question from Scott Johnson as well, so for both of you, what's the best atmosphere that you've experienced at Hamden? 
doing the job, first of all, and maybe even not doing the job like so before you were doing the gig? Uh, for, for me, uh, doing the job, um, it would probably have to be the the two all game with England when Mr. Griffiths scored a couple of decent goals, um, you know, just the whole occasion and the, the time he scored. Um, I was sitting at that time, I usually sit uh, near the tunnel area, so I was in that game. I was kind of quaint to the Scotland bench and I was next to a couple of journalists and the kind of floor managers from Sky, etc. So literally I was just jumping on top of each other when the second free kick went in. So that was, that was memorable. It was a beautiful sunny day. So that, that's got distinct memories, just joys a kind of, you know, Scotland support when you can sort of let yourself go before I officially had to tell everybody that the obvious thing that Lee Griffiths had scored again. Um, I probably didn't have to bother, but, you know, in the actual moment of being a fan, that was like, that was crazy. So that, that's one that definitely sticks out for me. I'll echo that. And, and I have to say that the wonders of modern engineering, when that stadium shook, and the, the the upper deck of the south stand moved considerably. Uh, it was, and I always remember like Gary Neville's commentary when he said he hadn't seen scenes like that in a football stadium since Man City, and it was, ah, it was just incredible, um, incredible. But I think, I mean, there's been some nice moments, you know, post games when we've won games, and the day of the week that a Scotland game is on is really important. So if you think a Saturday night against the Republic of Ireland, that was a really good atmosphere because it was a Saturday night. It was a kind of sort of Derby-esque, if you know what I mean, kind of feel about it. And um, so the, the day of the week and the time of day has a big, big factor um, in, in what the atmosphere can be, be like, quite understandably. So, yeah, I remember that. But, I mean, I remember being a, as a, a child, being at the Scotland game against Spain 3-1 when Dalglish scored that absolute screamer and sort of standing on the terrace and sort of barely been able to see it. Um, and the entertainment that day was a, a pipe band, you know, so we've come come a long way. But yeah, the the, the Griffiths the Griffiths free kicks was just an unbelievable moment in time. Yeah. Um something I was curious about as well from myself. I'm curious that Flower of Scotland before the game there's been a while since we've had someone perform it before the game. Is that something the ink will come back? Obviously, COVID probably put a fair part uh, to it, but yeah, there have been plans for it to come back. Well, we've been doing it at the women's games. Kirstine Harvey has done the last two games, so that they've brought it back for that. And yeah, I mean, the COVID thing certainly knocked uh, knocked that on the head. I'd, I've not been involved in any conversation to say whether it would come back. It was not wishing to be kind of. Well, my honest answer is that the paper works, um, the pace of it works. I just think with music being such a personal thing that it would sadly give people something to talk about if it was someone they didn't like. And it's quite hard to sing in that stadium the way it's configured. It's actually a really tough thing to do. And it's the kind of, if it ain't broke, why fix it kind of thing for me. So unless someone came along that you said, all right, they'd be absolutely amazing... But at the moment, no disrespect to anyone. I mean, Kirsten does an incredible job doing it. And the atmosphere at the women's games compared to the men's games is just it's night and day. It's a completely different audience. Um, so it'll work in certain situations. But I wouldn't... I, I think it's yeah, it's, it's not broke, so it doesn't need fixed. Yeah, if you if you're, if you were pushing out there to put me on the spot who you would choose, then, you know, you're talking for me, I kind of... Ricky Ross with an acoustic guitar doing Dignity kind of thing because if you try and do a, can replicate a kind of full band 
without the full infrastructure that you get a big sort of Hamden concert with you know, like Harry Styles being there type thing or Bruce Springsteen then as Keith says acoustically it has to be kind of spot on but you know if you're doing something it would, for me it'd be a kind of Ricky Ross you know or, or um, Simple Minds doing something you know something like that you're going, everyone's going everybody knows that tune and folk would sing along or of course going back to what I said earlier on if if uh, Travis came out and did Why Does It Always Rain On Me live or acoustically then you'd get a reaction to that um, kind of thing, but you know, yeah, be be you know, be an occasion like it's too late now, obviously, but like a normie get be a kind of celebration kind of thing, yeah, fit the whole vibe of of the night or the afternoon. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the paper works perfectly personally. Um, I think before that, um, I thought Ronnie Brown had such a high bar that it was so difficult to <laughs> to to follow. There's been one or two acts that have messed up a line and haven't done it again, which is unfortunate that can happen in a live environment. But yeah, I'm with you guys. Um what whatever's um, if it's not fixed, don't bro. Um whatever's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Do you have any other questions, John, at all? The guys. Uh, the only question I had which I've um, preempted um, before you do your quiz. Um so seven aside Scotland team because uh, I did win for um uh, the Georgian boy Luca, um, based on two defenders, two midfielders, and two forwards. But you can go whatever formation you want. Is it? Is a bit, we've not we've not collaborated on this one. It'll be interesting to see. I've if got Keith... a squad written down that well, I've not narrowed down. I've got a squad on my Hamden note paper here. Why, why don't well, we do? If it's okay with you guys, if if we both say our goalkeepers, both say our defenders, type thing. Right. Then, so, it... so what? So 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 how many defenders? Or we can decide our own. So it's a seven side team. Seven side team, yeah. So one, what do I want to do here? Two at the back, three. Maybe. You go first, Keith. Do your goalkeeper. I'll do my goalkeeper. We'll do it that way first. Right. Keith. Well, I've got. I've, can I can I show my working? How long have we got? Can I? It's, it's, it was between Craig Gordon or Andy Gorham, for me. And uh, it's a seven-a-side team, so I'm also trying to think about how they're going to have to play as well, thinking tactically. So. Gorham was great, but I'm going to go with Craig Gordon. I think slightly more modern, be able to play it out with his feet. I don't think Gorham would have been that great playing out with his feet. Just well, loads of people now probably shouting at their device. Um, so that'd be my goal. That's my goalkeeper's Craig Gordon. Right. Well, I deliberated as well, and I too have gone with Craig Gordon because uh, I think like who I've watched and grew up with, and you know, um, just outstanding kind of. Shot stopper primarily, but he's kind of evolved over the years. And uh, you know, Craig Gordon, you know, as we know, we've been blessed with some great keepers over the years. Um, you know, Gorham, great shot stopper. Jim Layton was fantastic in his his era, and he go more further back. Uh, he wouldn't make it in my, my my top three, but you know, Alan Ruff was there for quite a few years. You know, so hey, Craig Gordon is is a joint answer. There we go. Imagine yeah, that. There we go. You do, you got defenders, Keith. I have got defenders, so right. I'm trying to say I'm probably going to go with three, Oof. but not in the oh. bit. Just, well, but one and of I'm them, one of them is going to be in a sort of attacking, so it's a kind of sort of a, a false fullback. I mean, I sound I sound like it's Monday night football, so apologies. So I'd go Willie Miller because you need someone pretty solid who's going to tackle, and he also started as a forward, so he might be good for a goal. Uh, Alan Hansen. Got a Valen Hansen in there. Right. No other Scotland manager picked him, so I might as well. Um, and I'm going Kieran Tierney in this kind of defender, kind of false, kind of right back, just sort of getting forward. And I mean, because he's he's assist for Scott McTominay's goal against Spain was just insane. 
in terms of his determination. So that's my three. But so it sounds defensive, but I don't think it is. For the benefit of the listeners, it looks like Graham's brought a bookie slip with some names. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's, a, it's a quality bit of paper. Now uh, I've got one the same as Keith and one different. I've gone with kind of two traditional defenders. Um, so the one that's the same as Keith is Willie Miller. You know, grew up watching uh, Willie Miller uh, in the eighties, uh, both for Aberdeen, obviously and Scotland. Kind of, you know, first went to Hamden with Keith. You know, Willie Miller was part of defence, just proper old school defender. Uh, you know, as I say, these days you could play every day of the week, and this, this, I, I find frustrating these days listening to. Uh, we've got a Thursday game in Europe, and then we've got a game on the Sundays. Like these guys just played with like fourteen people in a squad and just rocked it out and got to UEFA Cup finals and just got on with it. Willie Miller being the epitome of that, so like a proper defender, but could play a bit as well because he started off as a striker apparently. And uh, I'm going to bring in somebody a bit more up to date. I'm going to bring Andy Robertson in. I think he's a great leader. He's evolved into that role and obviously fantastic coming forwards. You know, plays with his heart on his sleeve. All those kind of good, you know, Scottish cliches, but I think genuinely so. So you know what you're going to get with Andy Robertson, passionate, and with him and Willie Miller at the back, I think they're good, good defenders can put a tackle in when required, but, you know, can play a bit as well. So I've gone with kind of two traditional defenders, Andy Robertson and Willie Miller. Like it. Right. Back to Keith for the midfielders. Keith midfielders. You're going yes. with three midfielders and having no up front. Hey, I've got Levine. I'm basically going Levine on you. It's tribute to <laughs> the management. That's what's happened here. Going... <laughs> Tierney's kind of going into midfield. He's, he's, I thought we'd establish that. See, my, see my work in here. I've so I've got to basically I've got to pick two, two from Jim Bet, Sunis, Davy Cooper, and Billy Gilmer. Again, I'm thinking it's seven aside. I think Billy Gilmer's great for international football. I think he's been really he's really suited to it. Um, and I remember that '80s Scotland team, Jim Bet, and he was you know, he was playing for Aberdeen as well. You know, he was but he was always he was, he was in Iceland at, the, at that period as well, Jim Bet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sunis, obviously, it's like do I need Sunis if I've got Willie Miller? I know it's a good. It's crowd. a tactic. It's just it's a, it's a, I mean, David Cooper. I mean, just right. David Cooper's in. <laughs> David Cooper's a million percent in. Um, do I need a tackle in midfield, or is it Jim Bett or Billy Gilmore? This is what I'm saying out loud. Um, going to go. I'm going to going to. I'm going to back the youth. I'm giving youth a chance. I'm going with Billy Gilmore and David Cooper is my two. But bear in mind to repeat myself, Kieran Tierney's going to be bombing forward from from the back as well. So you know, it's just seven aside. You're playing the ball I've got, off the wall. I, I, you know, you've got a wall to play with. Well, it's, 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 it's that. If, if, if we're playing off a wall, I could change things dramatically. It's probably lucky you never picked Sunis because it would quickly be seven aside to six aside. <laughs> is, that, is that your midfielders, Keith? No. Cooper and Gilmore, yeah. Right, okay. Well, I, I think I'm going for three. And uh, there, there's no tackle here. Well, there's a kind of half a tackle in here, but if we're playing seven aside, we're playing beautiful football. <laughs> we're going for goals. So um, in, in the middle, you can decide who's left, right, middle, but they'll be, they'll be interchangeable as they do in a modern game. Uh, so I've got Mr McFadden, just a great ball player, great goal scorer, great crowd pleaser, you know, love playing for Scotland. And, you know, in that era, he just was absolutely brilliant. He's just, obviously, he, he, he's, he managed to keep big defenders off on me, just kind of, he was just an all-rounder at that time, I just remember, you know, watching that, uh, enjoying him play, you know, quite a sort of free spirit. Um, the other person who, you know, travelled far and wide, 
played at a great level, scored a, a couple of decent goals. Um, always a consistent performer for me. It's John Collins. I think he was a great performer for Scotland. Obviously yeah. scored the penalty kick and all that against Brazil. But, you know, I think more importantly, just a fantastic footballer. Um, left-footed as well. Always love a left-footed player. And my final one might be a slight surprise, but when I was growing up in the 80s, this guy was fantastic. He was, he, as I sometimes say, he just couldn't stop scoring, both for his club and to a slightly lesser degree for Scotland. But he did have a wee patch of scoring a few goals. So here's, here's, here's the left field choice, but an absolute fantastic goal scorer. We're going to go for John Wark. John Wark? John yes. Wark. That's a shout, by the way. Good shout. John Wark. Oh. Yes, <laughs> it's remember. Yes, the younger masters will be going. But let's get back to that. If Willie Miller got sin bin for ten minutes and sit and seven aside, then John Watt can play at the back as well. You know, so if we have to cover that kind of situation, then you know there. So I would go with McFadden, John Watt, and John Collins. Plenty of goals and guile and finesse mm-hmm. in there. I've got right. I've got a good show of work in. So basically, again, grown up watching. So you've got Dalglish, obviously. Mo Johnson header against Spain was magnificent, and a couple of good goals against France, as I recall, as well. Uh, and you need someone good on dead ball situations, penalty kicks, free kicks, good delivery. Lee Griffiths would have to be considered. You know, it would have to be in consideration for seven aside football because he's a brilliant, brilliant finisher and ball will be moving quick. He'll, he would t- hit the ball first time. Um, a lot of coaches said Lee Griffiths, like, brilliant finisher, but for set plays as well, do you need that as much in a seven aside game? So I'd have to say Dalglish because you, you can't really know. Um, but, I mean, can I, do, do we get a bench? Is that a squad here? Do we get to have people on the bench? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, you're stretching this too far. Come on. You may I'll have one rolling it. sub. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Right, so oh, Dalglish yeah. up front. Uh, I've, I've got two words for my striker. <laughs> Kenny Dalglish. Yeah. That's it. I mean, you don't need to say anymore. I'm quite happy with that team. I think it's got a few goals. I think John Bork, that's... Did he not, like, finish... Back at Ipswich, and he was playing centre half, aged like forty-five or something. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. He was very late in his career, anyway. I've got a splendid team there. So Keith went for Craig Gordon, Willie Miller, Alan Hansen, Kieran Tierney, Billy Gilmer, David Cupart, Kendall Gleish, and Graham's gone for Craig Gordon, Willie Miller, Andy Robertson, James McFadden, John Collins, John Ward, Kenny Douglas. John, you give him a rolling sub, but you want to be kind. I mean, you already were kind enough to send him. The, question in advance which you don't do for everybody so but what, well, what, I didn't at the start but as times evolved I thought no nah, fair <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting kind of old age <laughs> okay how, how does that another one sub I go for one sub yeah um my sub my sub good see John Watt would have been a perfect sub game because he could come on and play defence come on and play up front come on and play midfield <laughs> I was keen to have a, a range of, sort of generations as I grew up watching football, so that's why I went for kind of early mid eighties John Watt. Yeah, uh, subs a tricky one. I mean, that's that's you know, what would you go for? Um, I've nobody much in the current team. I wish should take some of the current team, chuck them in there. Um, if, I mean, if you're going if you're going for someone that could play literally any position and be okay, recent times, Callum Patterson. <laughs> What about Christian Daly? 
I mean, you could probably put Calvin Patterson in goals, I always thought, you know, who's an <laughs> inter- interesting character. Um, that's a tricky one. That's who's, tricky. Yeah, who's, who's your all-rounder? That's a really good... Who's your, who's your, there's a question for future. Who's the best? Also, Christian Daly's probably, yeah, John, you're probably one that I would think that's your all-rounder. Yeah, and could yeah. you put them in goals and think, right, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm stumped for a for a substitute. I really am stumped for a substitute. Um, but not as a good shout on um, <coughs> Christian Daly. Um, I'm trying to think. Go back like the eighties, kind of starting growing up watching football. And um... is it is, is, is this specifically? It's the men's team. It's not. We're not doing a mix. Yeah, it's, it's just the men's. It's just specify that at the beginning. Actually, yeah, cause we'd have probably put like um... Caroline Weir on the bench because start with start her. Oh, <laughs> I may have to bend John Watch. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're kind of we're getting into kind of soccery territory, aren't we? So you need to be asking about a specific <laughs> women's team, which I'm sure sure you will ask future guests. Um, yeah, my role in sub that's tricky. Soon as that's a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some somebody I can somebody I go back to the eighties. Um, he was a bit of a, a kind of luxury, but I did remember watching football in Liverpool. 80s in the pomp, uh, also in the pomp that back then was not in the forest, therefore I thought maybe John Robertson, not in the forest, John Robertson, but you know, it'd be tough to get him in that, but you know, I just remember watching him and he was always a great player, great goals, a kind of unlikely looking footballer as well, um, so there you go, I'll go with John Robertson just to end the debate, otherwise we're here till like next six hours. Right. The thing is, if um, John Robertson came on, you can move John Warp wherever anyway, so you're right. <laughs> Stop having to go to John Watt. He's I'm not. Team. I'm giving him massive praise here. <laughs> well, I was lucky enough to see him. Um, right, okay, well, I have a music question as well. I'd like to ask our guests. Oh, so, um, it's a, a take on Desert Island Discs, but we like to call it Desert Island Dicks. Um, <laughs> so, Keith, first of all, three albums that you would take with you. And obviously, same question to yourself as well, Graham. I've been really in the last few years really got back into I'm not as kind as John. He's good John. I'm I'm not good John. So I'm putting yeah. in the spot. F bomb John. Uh, I would go with um Rain Town by Deacon Blue. If this is Desert Island, so that definitely um goodness me, I'm trying to think what I've recently bought because I've been doing that thing with like buying albums that you know, you know, we're all we're all of that age now we're we're being told albums are now 30 years old and you go wow can't believe that album you know it came out and oh goodness me put me on a spot so Rain Town um I think, I think I'm get involved in it if I be thank you I've, 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 I mean it's like it's like I'll, I'll change my mind tomorrow obviously next week i change my mind but if I, if I go my kind of Scottish kind of themed artist I'll kind of do that to kind of narrow it down and be quick so I agree with Keith Raintown, uh, you know, came out in, what was it, 86, 87? Don't know about then, I think, don't know about that time, maybe 87. No, tremendous. I had first bought it on the cassette. Uh, so, no, def, definitely, definitely, definitely Raintown. Uh, Keith and I went to see uh, Deacon Blue not that long ago. Newcastle, of all places, was fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, I've always liked, uh, we've mentioned them already t- in the podcast, at Teenage Fan Club. Uh, so I'll go with Grand Prix as their album, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is, uh, I've got a t-shirt. My son got me the Grand Prix uh, t-shirt for, for Christmas. Okay, cool. So I'll go with Grand Prix. 
and one that's slightly more uh, kind of left field, but I know Keith likes this band as well. Uh, um, it's the Trash Can Sinatras, and they've got quite a few albums, but I'm going to go for Happy Pocket. Oh, it had a kangaroo, I think it was, just, on, on the album cover. Up, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've stolen maybe two of Keith's, but no. Teenage Fan Club, Trash Can Sinatras, and Deacon Blue. Right, I'm going to go in there, and I, I really, really, really like this album. Uh, Prefab Sprout, Jordan the Comeback. Oh, yes. Absolutely brilliant album. So it's it's not got the king of rock and roll on it, but uh, Paddy McLoon, I think, is a brilliant songwriter. And I'm going to actually, what I'm doing, I'm going to go with some, I'm going to go with the, the last record I bought. Okay. I think that's a good one, which I bought in vinyl, and it's the new album from King Creosote, I Des, which I think is absolutely brilliant. May hear a song off that album at Hamden on Sunday. There you go. That's uh, a couple right, of wee glimpses you covers for Sunday. I like uh, it. I like uh, it. Yeah, no, you've, see, you've, you've just you've got me so relaxed, John, that I'm just I'm, I've let my guard down. I'm just <laughs> letting things. Out. But no, I, I love um, I, I I I love going and buying vinyl records. So yeah, King King Creosote, I Des album. I would take that because it's the last one I bought. Nice choices. Right, we'll finish off with a wee bit. It's just a fun quiz, not too difficult. We like a wee game of higher or lower. Now, I think sometimes, Graham, you do it with the goals, don't you? I've seen you, heard you do it with the goals at like half time with some of the fans getting people to guess. We scored yes. more goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less goals. So we like to do the cap count. So who what, who has got more caps out of the players, right? Right, right okay. Is this a joint effort, Keith and I, or is it individual? Um, no, you're against, against each other. Yeah, it's against each other. Okay, right, so. Um, right, the, the 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 loser has to drive through on Sunday. There you go. We've got to put a prize in there. We've got to make it competitive. I thought you were going to put the two up against me, John. That would have been interesting. Nah, that's no fair. <laughs> Putting against you because you you're like rain man when it comes to these kind of things. <laughs> um, so no. Right. Okay. So we have got Charlie Adams and Shay Adams. So first of all, Keith, who has more caps out of Charlie Adams and Shay Adams? Oh, now Charlie Adam was kind of more Levine era, and he didn't really trust him. I always felt. Um, so I don't think Charlie Adam actually got as many caps as we think. Uh, yeah, I'm going Shea Adams. You're going Shea Adams. Yeah. Now Graham, who are you going for? Um. Yeah, I, I Charlie Adam was kind of. I know he came in and was like, you know, spraying the ball a bit a few times. That was his kind of role. 50 yard passes. I did how many games did they play? Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. Aye, um, or just to be different, I'll say Charlie Adam. I'm not, I'm not gonna do it all the time, but I will go in this one. I'll go different. This one, Charlie Adam, okay. Um, I'll let you go first this time, Graham. Yeah, Scott McKenna or Stephen Fletcher. Scott McKenna or Stephen Fletcher. Um, um, my gut reaction is Stephen Fletcher, so I'm going to stick with my gut reaction to Stephen Fletcher. There's another, another. I'm on, I'm on a theme here. It's another Levine, and him didn't mind Levine didn't play him or didn't pick him. They fell out. John B's he's, he's looking down Zoom, going, "Give me a look and say yes, that's right." Um, so Fletcher didn't play as much. See, I, 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 I don't Do you remember know. that, Graham? Do you not remember? He didn't, Levine didn't pick up. Yeah, I know, but then he played. Who was was he not um, under Ed Strachan? Was it? I can't remember. It was Strachan right, time? Uh, was it Strachan? So he, remember he played. He was quite really effective. McKenna. I won my because I, I um, uh, what's oh, Akechi 
Ricci. Anya. That's his second name. Aye. Because they had a. They score. They combined for a goal. Was it against. I'm going to say Germany. Germany away. <laughs> Aye. That was. It was a great link up, man. But I think he played. He played a, quite a few times in my. So I'm going with my gut. I'm going with my gut reaction uh, uh, on that one. You, you've said. I'm, actually, I'm saying. I don't think McKenna play, has played very much. And but he's played, had a lot of subs, though, you know. Maybe sub appearances, like two minutes here and there, maybe. So uh, it'll soon add up. So have him. you said, Graham? Have you said Fletcher? I've gone with Fletcher. My See, gut I, reaction. I'm going with Fletcher as well. I, th- okay. I think. Because Fletcher came back and scored a hat trick against someone as well. I ah, that's that. right. Yeah, yeah. Like Fletcher for me. Right, okay. Um, back to you, Keith. Going first, Craig Levine or Liam Cooper? Oh, Liam Cooper. I mean, Levine only played about three games, so it's uh, Liam Cooper. I'm pretty pretty fixed on that. It's a just a good question. That I'm going with Cooper. Yeah, I because I obviously Levine had a history of injuries, and uh, but he Levine went to was he. Is he, was he 86 World Cup? Did he? 90, 90, 90, right. Played one game. Aye. Aye. Um, yeah, I, 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 my gut's saying Liam Cooper as well. We'll go with that. Okay. Um, right, you starting here, Graham. Uh, yep. John McGinn or John Collins? Oh. <clears throat> now, did McGinn not recently get, like, his... Not that long ago, he's 50th or something cap, I think, or near enough 50th not long ago, I think. Uh, Collins is certainly well above, well, not well above that, but he's certainly got 50 at least as well. So, um, be struggling the goals with that one as well. It was a goals question as well. We're quite close with it up with those two as well, probably as well. You could have that one for Hamden, uh, Graham. Right. Aye, okay. They're pretty, pretty close with goals. <laughs> was McGinn in about 14-ish just now, roughly, or thereabouts? I would guess. I think he's in 16. I think he's beaten McFadden's record, does he not? Aye, because Collins must be... Anyway, we're not talking about goals. Sorry, I, I, I get back to the question. Right, uh, I am going to go with Mr. Collins. I'm going to... Because otherwise... otherwise to help try and get an outright winner, I'm actually going to say McGinn. I'm going with McGinn. Okay. Um, and last but not least, Ryan Christie or Charlie McGrew? <laughs> I mean, right. even George wins in here, right? I, I, might, I might end up getting your answers as well, John, just for fun, but as yeah. a contest. So, who's fun. first here? Is it Graham or you, you And it was Charlie McGrew or Ryan Christie. Right, so there was a period when McGrew played in midfield besides Scott Brown when they were yep. doing that for Celtic because Bren Ron Rogers put them together. I remember that. He played, he's played at the back of it. Played at the back, played left back. He's played. So the way I'm trying to tackle this one, kind of helping each other here, is like which of any of them has reached 25? Do they get a wee sort of medley thing if they get 25? So I'm thinking, has any of them, either of them, sorry, reached 25? Now, that's going to make me think one more than the other slightly, but I could be wrong with that, of course. I'm going with Mulgrew. I think Mul- the, the, I'm trying to think how much of an overlap there was with a pair of them. So obviously, Christie obviously got capped when he was at Celtic, uh, and then obviously Bournemouth. He's... Okay, so you've nailed in uh, Mulgrew. Who are you going for? I, I was I was generally going to say Christie. Right. Okay. Right, um, John, I'll let you then play, but you're just playing for fun. 
Charlie Adam or Shea Adams? Um, I think Shea Adams because um, he came in at a time where there was because we're playing three games in a week at times and and things like that. And also with years, with Charlie Adams at times was subbed, so uh, on the you know not even getting on. So yeah, I'm going with Shea Adams. Right, okay, Scott McKenna or Stephen Fletcher. That's a tough one. Um, because I think McKenna's has a couple of periods of injury, as is Fletcher. Um, but then Fletcher got a lot of caps under strike and scored a few goals. Oof. Um, just um, Stephen Fletcher. Hey, Glavine or Liam Cooper? Levine, I know, I'm pretty sure I get 16, because obviously I'm writing a book about your next six, and he made his last Scotland appearance in the qualifiers, which I think stopped at 16. Has Cooper got to that much? I'm going to say Levine. John McGinn or John Collins? I think um, McGinn surpassed Collins. I think Collins got to 58. I don't think he quite got 68, and I think... McGinn made his 50th against the um, Republic of Ireland last year and he's also played every qualifier this time. So, um, yeah, I'm sure he's beat it. Okay, and uh, Ryan Christie or Charlie McGrew? I think it's McGrew with 44. I don't think Christie's... I think Christie's just beat 40, but I don't think he's got to 44 yet. Well, this is what you're, you're up against. That's why I never did play him in the game because he can give the cap count and everything. No, but but I should like... say he, he, he's the winner of the Tart the tar- and Scott... Scotland fan, so he's had a bit of experience with us, but maybe not these players eh, per se. But I liked his working in terms of like three games a week, kind of thing, because it soon rattles up. We even get the old five minute uh, sub appearance, so that, that was good thinking, good strategy, John. Yeah, but uh, is it right? <laughs> well, see, right, okay, so uh, the first one was Charlie Adam uh, versus Shea Adams. Charlie Adams finished on 26 caps. Uh, Shea Adams is on 27. So, Heath and John. Um, Scott McKenna versus Stephen Fletcher. You all went with Stephen Fletcher, which is correct. He's on 33 caps. Uh, Scott McKenna, 31. Uh, Craig Levine. John, aye, he was 16 caps. Uh, Liam Cooper edges him on 17. So both uh, the Easterns got that one correct. Um, John McGinn, John Collins, I think you said the cap count for both of them. So John Collins, 58, he finished on. John McGinn on 60. So a point for Keith. point for John. Um, and then the last one, Ryan Christie, Charlie McGrew. Um, Ryan Christie on 43, Charlie McGrew, as John said, on 44. Um, so, Keith and John. So, the winner of the Brothers Quiz, and actually level with John, is Keith, 4 out of 5. Well done. Sorry, I mean, John... This is where I could now then go, right, Keith's done pretty well here, do we give a wee tiebreaker? Well, let's do it. Have <laughs> you got one? To beat, to beat, the, beat the challenge. Right, I, might, okay. I, might, I might get Graham off the bench like John Walk to help me out here. Right. <laughs> Let me get my, my source. Please. Um, right, who, hang on. 
if you got a big. And now we need to try and think of a player that he's not writing a bloody book about in terms of that era. <laughs> he's he's, um, he's going to go with some obscure like Gary Kenneth versus Craig McHale Smith. <laughs> You've got to get John working here. I mean, come on. <laughs> he's grim. He looks like he's looking to see oh, I'm now tempted to get him in ice and <laughs> I would get I am gonna get right. If you're searching uh, I'll I'll guess John Work got uh, forty two. I'm gonna take a wild guess on that one. Forty two. Right, we'll go. Right, I know what we'll do. That'll work. John Mork singing with Lewis Capaldi and uh, Franz Ferdinand as well while we're at it for the World Cup. We will go John Mork. Oh, here we go. Versus Jack Kendy. Right, well. Aye, there we go. Well, John Mork. You can go first. Well, John Mork. Does that give you thinking time? Is that (laughs) (laughs) So John Mork's clearly not got 42 caps then. So John Work or uh, Hen- Jack Hendry. Jack Hendry. That's, that's going to be close. Yeah, so I'm thinking they're both around about the 25 marks. I'm giving you, that's what I'm thinking. Around the 25 mark, Hendry. Yeah, see, John Work was the year up where there was just lo- we were qualifying and there was loads of players in his position. Um, but it's obviously they're both obviously close given the previous questions. So I'm going to say. Gonna gonna back him. Gonna back John Wark. Go for John Wark. Right, I'll go. I'll go Jack Kendry just so that someone wins. But I don't <laughs> honestly know. You don't know. All right, okay. Drum roll. I really don't. Someone can do drum roll. No. Can I go okay. twenty four caps? And... Just kidding. We had a drum roll there. Right. Okay. Jack Kendry is on twenty seven caps. John Wark did not finish in forty two caps. He finished on twenty nine. Oof. It's the winner. Well done. Well I done. knew John what was going to be the answer there. <laughs> so if I if I just like beaten the all knowing rain man of Scottish football, I question. <laughs> yeah. Well, invite. I'll I'll ask Andy Bars to invite you on his next um, challenge. <laughs> I've now set up a new podcast called John Walk. <laughs> don't know what's going to John be about. podcast. Don't know what's going to be about. It's just called John Walk. It could be about like quality football moustaches. It could be. That's quite niche. Yeah. Well, you Colin guys Mallard have your own podcast as it is. You you need to get John Mark as a guest. There's your challenge. I know. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. I've I've just googled John Mark. There's a book. That's what Graham's getting for his Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> John Mark's autobiography. <laughs> I'm now going to go down to watch uh, Ipswich at Portman Road. I'm going to go the full full treatment on this one. I. Who'd have thought that was the topic of the night? That was good. Could we conclusion to the podcast, I think? Um, so thanks to both of you for coming on. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. No, it's absolutely top fun. Really enjoyed it. May get you back on, maybe closer to the Euros. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That'd be a pleasure, but obviously John Mark's got to be on as well. Has. <laughs> that's, that's the deal breaker. If we can yeah. make it happen, we'll make it happen. I'll try and find a contact tip switch. Bye. Thanks. And as always, good luck to Scotland. And as we like to finish off, happy football. Happy football. Happy football. Thanks, guys.